Feels so good. Out here in Mountain, it's a real good morning. I bet these birds gobble probably right. close to a hundred times. Tater rocking season, boys. What is up, folks? Welcome to the Strut South Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Greathouse. Today, we've got a podcast with Dustin Haar. Dustin is a super awesome guy. He um, served in our military, so first and foremost, we'd like to thank him for his service on that. Um, but we talked to Dustin today about a buck that he shot. I think last year, I can't remember, last year, a couple years ago, 200-inch deer, um, just an awesome deer, um, awesome story, and an awesome guy to tell it um, in Dustin. Um, so, hope you guys enjoy this episode, and uh, if you will, if you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show, and if you're just now seeing us, hearing about us, we would really like it if you'd leave a rating and a review subscribe to the podcast um those ratings and reviews they really really help out they help us out and they help the podcast get its name out there a lot easier for other people to see um go check out our facebook check out our youtube we're really starting to hunt more now um so we're gonna have more videos on youtube we've, we've got a lot of episodes right now actually in the works um haven't been able to kill one yet with the group, uh, but it's it's getting cranked up good here in Georgia. Uh, deer sign everywhere, buck sign everywhere. Um, every time we go in the woods, there's new there's new rubs and new scrapes, and you can really tell that the the rut is pretty much here. Um, bucks are already like seeking. I wouldn't say they're chasing yet, but they're they're definitely um, ready for the does to, to come in the heat. So it's getting really good and we're starting to get some cold days. So YouTube's gonna start having some videos on it. I'm, I would hope some, some really good videos. Um, but you guys subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're really trying to get to that 1000 subscriber mark. Um, and we're on Facebook, check us out on Instagram. And other than that, we'll get into the show. Hope y'all enjoy. All right, everybody, we've got Dustin Parr on the line with us. What's up, Dustin? How you guys doing? Good, man. I'm uh, pretty fired up. Um, if I can get my dogs to quit barking, it'll, I'll be even better. But um, it's pretty – I'm pretty excited because it's pretty – it's getting cold, and I'm sitting out here on my back porch, and it's barely dipping into the 40s. And uh, that's, that's about the coldest that it's gotten so far down here. So you got to come up north here. I think we hit 35 this morning. Hmm. It's perfect temperature for deer. Um. Hopefully it will. Hopefully it'll get that cold here soon. But I know, like down here, if it gets colder than, if it gets colder than you know, probably below 30. I think it kind of shuts the deer down a little bit. They're not quite as used to it. Getting this cold. I think that shuts that down the whole state of uh, Georgia, don't it? In that state of emergency down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. I, and some days when I have to go to work, I wish it did, but <laughs> no, it don't. But uh, if it ever does snow, though, I mean, you got you know, you got people driving that uh, that like they've never seen snow before in their life. But but no, man, we wanted to get you on here and uh just talk hunting and see what comes of it i think it's gonna be a great episode um 
So I guess before we get into, we're going to get into our rapid fire, do a rapid fire Q and A to let to let oh, yeah. listeners kind of to let them know kind of who the guest is. Um, okay. But before we get into that, um, give us like a brief uh, bio of who Dustin Hart is. Uh, just an average Joe, man. <laughs> I mean, uh, what, what do you want to know? Uh, living on. I mean, you know, just how'd you get into hunting, and you know, what what, how long you been hunting, all that good stuff. Um, hunting for as long as I can remember. Uh, my dad got me into hunting when I was young. Uh, I think I was about eleven or twelve when I started uh, actually bow hunting. Um, started uh, competing in archery at about thirteen, fourteen, something like that. And, um, unfortunately, when I was uh, 18, my dad had passed away, and uh, um, just just tried to, you know, that's where I know my dad. That's that's that was his love, his passion. It became my obsession, and uh, you know, I just tried to carry it on and teach it to my kids. And you know, because my kids never got to meet my dad, so I, I figured the best way that I could show them who my dad is is to uh, who he was is to show them through me and and teach them what he taught me so pretty much time in my whole life uh had a little stint there uh, i was in the military for uh about nine years so uh you know i, I didn't hunt as much as i would have liked to uh, i was actually stationed down there in georgia for a little while <laughs> out there in uh stewart uh, in hinesville and, i'm sorry <laughs> uh, yeah, i actually kind of liked hinesville it wasn't too bad uh, um, then, uh, you know, come home, work for the state for a little bit, just, uh, just do my hunting and fishing. I mean, now I work for myself. I own my own business. So it affords me the opportunity to, to, uh, you know, chase big whitetails. That's, that's what it's all about. Heck yeah, man. Well, hey, kudos to your dad, though, man, for, you know, getting you out there and teaching you. I think that's awesome. No. I feel for you, and I think our listeners feel for you out there. And nobody wants to lose their dad, but I think it's awesome that we got you out there and hunted, and it's awesome that you're getting kids involved with it too. Um, so yeah, that's pretty awesome. Thanks. Um, so now get into our rapid fire. Okay. Um, I don't do good under pressure. These are probably going to be. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably going to be the most difficult questions you've ever answered in your life. Sweet. Um, none of which are related to deer hunting or any type okay. of hunting. All right. Favorite cartoon character? Wiley Coyote. Awesome. I, I really knew that that's what you were going to say. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> how do you like your steak? medium rare I mean they pretty much got to be bleeding to eat them yeah yeah I mean if you if you don't if it's not less than medium if it's not medium or less then you might as well throw it away yeah it's just overcooked um that's right okay what fortune would you want to get from a fortune cookie What fortune would I want to get? Fortune cookie. Um, treat others the way you want to be treated. Nice. I like that one. <laughs> okay. If you were stranded on a tropical island, what two items would you want with you? A lighter. And a still. There you go. You might survive. <laughs> you got to make fire right. and you got to do the whiskey. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Last one. Number one okay. breakfast of all time. It's going to sound funny, but a uh, tough one. Cold pizza. Cold pizza. Mmm, that is a pretty good one. 
That is a pretty good one. That's 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 a that's a um, that's a unique one. I've never had that one. I I ask that question on all my rapid fire. Every episode, I always add some type of breakfast question in there, and that's probably the most unique one I've gotten. I figured people weren't too awake in the mornings, and I don't feel like cooking nothing. So if I got cold pizza in the fridge, I'm eating it. Yeah. Well, see, that's kind of it's 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 awesome that you gave that answer because everybody eats cold pizza. Everybody's eating cold pizza for breakfast, but that's not like the first thing people think about for breakfast. And my wife, all the time, I talk, I I can't stand it. Like she'll eat, she'll eat some you know foods not even heated up she'll just take food straight out of the fridge and eat it like if it's a plate of leftovers or something like that and that's it's disgusting i can't but i tell her all the time the only thing you're supposed to eat cold is pizza and you eat it in the mornings <laughs> i say i gotta agree with your wife though because i i i i mean especially and my wife knows you know i coach wrestling and stuff and i'm in and out and you know, I work a lot, and I work at, in the evenings, like, uh, especially during rut. <laughs> like I said, I'm fortunate to own my own business, so I'll, I'll hunt all day, and then when it gets dark, I'm working. You know, so I'll yeah. run in the house, grab something, well, and I'm off to work, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you got to do what you got to do. <clears throat> but <laughs> I just, for some reason, like, if, if, a, if a plate of food, like, after it's made, if it's hot, and that's when you eat it, then I think that's the way it should always be eaten. I don't – just a pet peeve of mine, I guess. <laughs> I'm not going to dispute it. I mean, everybody – I mean, I, I love a, a hot home-cooked meal. I mean, everybody should. But yeah. in a pinch, when you're in a hurry, I'll grab it. I'll grab a, like a steak, and I'll throw it in between two pieces of bread and run out the door. Yeah, well, I mean, Take yeah, that, that, <laughs> yeah that, that might be – that's not too bad. That's actually pretty good. Um <laughs> So, I guess now we'll get into uh, some hunt talk. And uh, you said you were from Ohio, and uh, that's what I was telling you earlier. You know, to the listeners out there, I don't know how many we've got now, but it seems like uh, all of our all of our guests here lately have been from Ohio. And uh, I'm gonna have to. I don't know. I saw. I was telling Dustin earlier that uh, I might have to go to Ohio and check this place out because it looks like there's some monster bucks up there and and some monster buck killers up there too but i told um, you come on up man i i mean i got a few farms that 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 i hunt and you know of course out back where i killed breeders at you know my property uh, to be honest with you yeah, I don't even know if I'd take the president back there, but um, <laughs> um <laughs> Well hey, after seeing after seeing Brutus, I don't think I would want to take anybody back here either. <laughs> I got I got a few properties up here we can hunt. I mean, come on up, I'll put you on some deer. Thank you, I'm man. Not saying, um, not saying they're gonna be monsters, but they I mean, they're they're I don't know, one farm I got probably two one seventies out there, so I guess that's a monster. I mean, but he's not a brute. <laughs> hey, a one seventy is—it's hard to find a one seventy here in Georgia. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but let's um, let's talk about Brutus. Um, I guess we'll kind of get into the story of him, and um, but you were kind of telling me about him, you know, to start with, and that's what I was telling you. Now I think. When you do shoot, when you, nowadays it's so bad, you know, like social media, I think social media is great, you know, for, it's great for the hunting industry and, and all of us hunters. Um, but I think it, it can be at times, you know, more of a instant gratification. Hey, I killed this deer. Um, but I think. You know, with the way you were explaining it, you know, I, I think it's, and like I told you, I think it's sometimes like when you get a deer the size of, you know, what Brutus was, it's almost like 
the size of his rack, like in the keel, overshadows the deer's life. And um, I think that's a pretty big deal because like anytime you see somebody that's got a you know potential 200 incher, like they're just like, man, yeah, it's awesome, it's a giant deer. But then that's it. Everybody's just focused on how you killed him. And uh it's like it just the the life of the deer and how he got that big kinda gets overlooked. I I, um, I can kinda sum something up real quick if if I can for a sec. Um Yeah, yeah. It's something I like to tell people, um, is like Brutus is special. And Brutus is special because I hunted that deer for three years. I I, I knew his movement, I knew what he was doing, and I set a plan in motion. And every year it got shut down, and then I was fortunate enough to harvest him. And and I am not big-headed by any means. Or, you know, I'm probably the most humble guy in the world you ever meet when it comes to killing big deer. But the thing that that, that gets me that thinks that, that Brutus deserves a showcase more than a lot of other deer is the fact that, that I did hunt him that long. And, you know, he was almost part of me. He was like, right. you know, like I told, like I told you earlier, it was almost bittersweet when I killed him because it's like, now what? Um, but then you do, you see these hunters, and I'm not taking anything away from anybody. I, I love every big deer that's killed. I love the stories behind it. But you get the people that, um, you know, it's the first time they went to a property, um, and the deer runs by, they shoot it, it's a 180, 200-inch deer. And then, you know, it, to me, that kind of takes away from the hunt, you know, per se. And I don't want to say take yeah, away yeah. from the hunt. If they killed a monster. I mean, anybody kills a monster is, is you know, kudos in my book. But, you know, it, to me, it takes a little bit away from it. That's why I think Brutus is more special because, you know, I, I watched him. Um, when, when he was killed, um, they aged him at six and a half. So when I mm-hmm. first seen him, he was two, two and a half. Yeah. He'd have been two and a half year old. So I watched him that whole time before I actually was able to harvest him. And I mean, not for lack of trying, trust that, because the year before I killed him, he was bigger than what he was the year I killed him. So, mm. you know, I mean, I don't know. I just, I'm oh, I fortunate blessed, you know, it just happened. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, well, so if you can't, I guess, uh, Go into that story, like I guess uh, let's 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 hear the story of Brutus. Uh, let's see, is uh, I think it was a uh, 2014 or something like that. We were uh, actually driving around my property, me and a buddy, of mine, Chad. And, um, he said, "Man, what is that laying in the fence row?" And I was like, I, "Oh my gosh, that's a rack!" And he goes, "I know, look at it." And you now I've got pictures of this on my phone because I took it through the binoculars and stuff, but uh. Um, it was Brutus laying there, and from that moment forward, I named him Brutus. And, you know, like I said, he was on the edge of my property, and he was bedded down with some does. And um, I actually went back to the house and ran back and circled around and was hoping he would get up from where he was bedding and come by me. And, you know, he never did. Um, hunted him the rest of that year, never seen him again. Uh, the following year, um, I seen him like two or three times at the beginning of the year, and then nothing. He was gone, and we thought he was dead. Like, we figured somebody killed him or something. I'm like, ah, he's he's got to be gone. Um, let's see. The following year, he totally disappeared until the end of the year. And me and my stepdaughter were in the stand. And uh, we, we'd we seen him um, twice out of that stand, uh, down to far into the field. But nothing you could ever get on it. I mean, I never had a super, super good opportunity to shoot him. Um, then right at the end of the year, I had him at about 40 yards. Um, but wasn't real comfortable with the shot. Um, it was just through some stuff. And I had a good window, but I thought, you know, this buck's just way too – he's too big of a buck to try to wound him or, or to take a, a questionable shot on him. So, you know, it wasn't – like a lot of people were like, oh, you let him go to get bigger. No, I, I didn't let him go to get bigger. I, I let him go for not having the confidence in the shot and, and not wanting to wound the deer. So in the following year, um, like I was telling you earlier, he became like a pinnacle on the farm. Um, every 
single trail cam. I think I had 10 trail cams out, and on every single one, I was getting pictures of them. So I got to watch them grow from, I mean, I put them out early season. Um, and in July, he was already at about 160 inches in velvet. So we knew he was going to be something really, really special. Um, and once the season came around, he just, he really became nocturnal. I didn't see him during the day. Didn't see him on the trail cams. If I did, it was at night. And, uh, and, uh, November 15th, the infamous day comes around and, uh, it's kind of funny. I was, I went over to, uh, our local little, whatever you want to call it. It's called Sportsman's Den. It's, you know, archery store, hunting store. Went over and I was talking to a buddy of mine. Told him I need some burlap because I got a two-man stand set up in a tree line, a little fence row, and the kids keep moving. So when the kids are moving, the deer see their legs move. So I think I'm going to put burlap up around it. He's like, oh, that's a great idea. So I grabbed some burlap, come back. I wasn't hunting that day because of the weather. It was just so nasty out. It was it was like 30 degrees, 35 degrees, something like that. It was, uh, you know, the, like a spit in snow blowing sideways. It was really weird. It's like almost like a hail is a wet snow. And uh I got ready to leave and uh walked back and put it up and just oddly enough my you know uh, my stepdaughter came out and she's like, Are you gonna take your you gonna take a bow? And I said, Well no, honey, look at the weather out. It's crappy out. I got frog togs on. You know, I'm just gonna hang this stuff. I'm not going hunting. <laughs> she goes, What do you always tell us? And I was like, What? She goes, in hunting season, you never go to the woods without your bow because you never know what will happen. Yep. And I said, I stood there for a second. I said, you know what? You're right. So I go in reluctantly. I grab the crossbow, and I'm gone. Now, mind you, I had to use a crossbow because, as I told you earlier, I just had carpal tunnel surgery. So I couldn't use my bow. So I take the crossbow back. It's probably like 3, 3.30, you know, crappy weather. You never go back to the woods end because of deer moving, you know, you know, all the stories and stuff. And I go yeah. and put the, get up in the stand, put the burlap up and setting it because I was, you know, it's just 35 out and I'm hot, but I'm cold. You know what I mean? I'm sweaty, but I'm like, right. I'm going to take a break. I'm getting old. <laughs> it's a long <laughs> walk back there. <laughs> but uh, I sat there for a few and you couldn't really see across our field. We've got about a 40 acre field up the top. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's 30. I don't, I don't know. It's It's a big field. But you couldn't see all the way across it. Um, and it's about 200 yards across it, maybe. And uh, I couldn't see all the way across it when on any normal day you can. And that's just how bad the weather was. It was like a foggy crap. And uh, I seen something go through that fog. It, just, it was going fast. Something just blew by. And I was like, what the crap? So I called my buddy, and I'm like, hey, Chad. He says, what are you doing? I said, I'm sitting in the stand. I just, you know, put his burlap up. I said, you're deer moving this? And he said, well, why wouldn't they? I said, it's crappy out, man. I said, I said uh, you know, it's. I feel like going home. And he goes, hey, and this is, a, this is a phrase I'll never forget. He said, hey, big bucks don't get big because they're stupid. Yep. He said, big, big bucks get big because they're smart, because they're out there when you don't think they're going to be. I said, you know what? You're right. He said, just sit there for a little bit. He said, that's what I'd do especially if I seen it. And I said, well, I don't know if it was him or not. He says, well, if it's a big body, you got a pretty good chance it's him. So I sat there, and uh, I know everybody out there, all the listeners, I know you all do it. With these new smartphones, you play games on your phones when you're in the tree. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I said, I said I'm going to play I'm gonna play one game of poker on my phone. If I don't see nothing, I'm getting in the house because I'm starting to get cold now. I just got on a pair of... I have a pair of jeans, uh, a T-shirt, and frog togs over that, and it's 35 degrees out. I'm freezing. Mm. So start playing the game. About maybe five, ten minutes later, the the like the like the rain and stuff stopped, and the field cleared up. I mean, it was like a regular, normal, sunny day. Like, I could see all the way across. I thought, well, this is, this is good. It's clearing up. I heard something run across that field, just beating feet. And I turned around and looked, and here come a doe. So I didn't see what was behind her. I just kind of turned, you know, so I could get where she was coming from because I thought something's got to be chasing her butt. And she blew by me, and I peeked around my tree, and I just seen him coming about 35 yards, you know, lateral with me. And it gets out, and, you know, you watch all these hunting shows, 
and you see them guys go, okay, stop it. Right. They do their little grunt and deer stops. It didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's you any stopping. So finally, like any sensible person, I yelled stop as loud as I could. And when I did, he locked it up. <laughs> he locked up and looked around, but I was already on him. And, you know, I'm thinking the shot looks good, squeeze the trigger, nothing. He didn't move. He didn't flinch. He didn't make a sound. He stood in the same spot. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. I just blew it. You know, and you got a million thoughts going through your head. I just missed this deer. Mm. So I'm trying to fight in the stand to recock this crossbow, which is hard to do in a stand if anybody's ever had to do it. It's, oh, it's yeah. Pain. So with carpal tunnel surgery, mind you, I was so pumped, so excited. I had one good hand, and I cocked that crossbow one-handed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can't. I'm going to get you. But um, as I did that, and I, I didn't even have an arrow on it yet, I was searching through the pack for another arrow. Um, he jumped forward, like took one little jump forward, just a little hop, like not even a yard. He started grunting, like really loud at this doe. And I was like, oh, crap, he's going to get her to come back to him. You know, this is good. Or he's trying to find her. He'll be preoccupied. So I throw in the other arrow. I get the crossbow set back up. And about that time, he went to walk forward. And he started stumbling backward, did a big circle and fell. Hmm. So... I called my buddy. I'm like, Chad, you ain't going to believe this, dude. He's like, what? I said it was Brutus, and he's dead. He goes, oh, you're kidding me. And then he, <laughs> it gets quiet. And I said, no, dude, I really got him. He's he's in the field. And he goes, what? And I was like, what? And he goes, you're calling me from the tree stand. I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, okay, I'm going to hang up now. He said, you're going to get down out of that tree stand, and you're going to go make him look like a pincushion. I said, what? And he goes, he's not dead until you got him in your hand, and he hung up the phone. I thought, oh, man, he's right. So I slid down the – I tell everybody it looked like a fireman's ladder because I just slid right down it. The only thing I had was my bow, and I took off at a dead sprint, and he was not where he laid. Where he was laying, he wasn't there. So I ended up finding him. I mean, he was only like five yards from there, you know, but I was in panic mode because he wasn't right where he laid. Yeah. Um, got my hands on him. I mean, it was it was almost surreal. Um, of course, I had my moment, and I think I was crying like a little girl. But um, oh, hey, you know, I would have been too. <laughs> it's uh, called call the wife. This was this is funny because she's a nurse, so she works uh, twelve hours on, twelve hours off a lot. Um, and she was going into work that night, so she, when I went back, she goes, "I'm gonna take a nap, and I'm gonna go to work." I said, "Okay." So I called her, and she's like, she, "It's funny." <laughs> she answers the phone. She's like, "What?" <laughs> You know, not a hello. She's like, what? <laughs> and I said, honey, I need a favor. And she goes, what? And I'm like, can you go get the Kubota? I just killed Brutus. And she flips out. Oh, my God, we're on our way. Are you kidding? This is not a joke, right? This is not one of your jokes. You really kill him. <laughs> I'm like, no, if I kill him, I'm standing on the top of him. you got to get it. Get it here. So then I hurry up and took a picture and sent it to her. But uh, after we gutted him, um, and I can send you pictures of this. It's pretty graphic. But um, you know what a pinwheel is, right? When you, you're shooting archery, pinwheel dead yeah. center. I pinwheeled his heart. Mm. Like he never, even, he didn't even know it hit him. That's why he stood there and was still trying to get that doe to come back. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, and like I was telling you earlier, you know, I sat there for a minute, like after killing him, and it's just I got my own time with the deer because it, it took him, you know, a good 45 minutes to get back to me or an hour. I don't remember, but because uh, they had to wait for everybody to get there. They couldn't just come get the deer. They had to wait for everybody to get there and bring them back to the woods with them. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I had a little bit of time to reflect, you know, and just reflecting on, on, you know, the the past few years of hunting this deer. And, you know, it was my reason for getting up and going hunting. And it was my reason for going to the woods. You know, and it was my, yeah. it, it was what I thought of every day. You know, what's he doing now? I wonder where he's at right now. da, 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 da. So it was all kind of bittersweet because, you know, like I told you, some of my friends said, we just killed a 200 inch deer. What are you going to do now? I didn't have an answer. I didn't know, you know? And, yeah. Like I told them, you know, I've got a bunch of voids to fill now. Like, what do you mean? I said, well, I've killed 160s, but now i got to kill a 170, a 180. 
at 210, mm. <laughs> 190. You know? I said, no, it's just, I got to fill the voids now. But, I mean, it, it's, you know, they call it a buck of a lifetime, and he is. He, he really is. Anybody that kills, you know, a 200-inch deer, is, it's it, it's definitely a deer of a lifetime. Um, and But it just, it, it rejuvenated another part of me that wants me to get more deer that big. And really dove into how to raise deer that big per se or how to manage them to get them to get that big and so that other people can enjoy what I did. Yeah. Yeah, that's um that's awesome. And I think um it's like, you know, that's what I was thinking, you know, as you were talking about it. Um like those those big deer too, like they especially like I've always heard from several people that they love that nasty, you know, that nasty weather. Like, almost cold enough to be snowing, but it's rainy and windy. And I'm, I can't tell you how many people I know of and seen and heard that, you know, they've killed several big bucks that way. Well, I, I did some research on it after that and kind of figured out why. A bigger buck, for one, they're smart. They 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 rely on every bit of senses they have: their hearing, their smell, their eyesight. And in crappy, crappy weather like that, it enhances all of their senses per se. Because for one, they're going to get out and move because they can't hear as good in the woods. So it gets them on their feet and it gets them moving. And if you watch the way they move, because like I said, I've done a lot of research over it since then, is they'll, they'll always move upwind of you. You know, they want to smell yeah. you. You know, they want to hear you. They want to, you know, they they want to be out in the open to where they've got a chance to escape. So it, a bigger deer, the crappy weather actually gets them moving. And some, that's why they move at night, for one, because there's no natural predators besides coyotes at night. And deer know that. It's evolution. Yeah. You know. But I'm just, I don't know. I just, you know, I've always, like, like a lot of people hunt. They, they just hunt. They go out there and sit and look for the deer, and they shoot a deer that comes by. And, you know, people joke about it with me because I told you it's kind of an obsession with me. I I want to. I want to know what the deer are doing in the off season. You know, most people's season starts a couple se- a couple weeks before season starts. My season starts the day after season closes. Then it's next season. I'm already planning. I'm already putting out my food plots. I'm already trying to figure out their paths they're using. You know, I I track the fawns. I want to know what the fawns are. I, I want to know what they're doing. I want to know where they're at. I want to know their main bedding area. Um. There's a term I like to use. It's, it's called the bed and breakfast. Everybody's heard of the bed and breakfast around here. Or I'm sure down south too. Uh, yeah. So what I, what I like to do is figure out where their bed's at, figure out where their breakfast is at. A deer yeah. is a creature of habit. So you hunt the bed and breakfast. You're going to hunt between where they're bedding and where you think or feel they're going to go to eat. Yep. You know, a, a deer is a normal animal. It needs its food. It needs its water. It needs its sleep. That's true. That's yeah. a pretty good analogy. I like that. So you, I like that phrase, bed and breakfast. I, I always hunt the bed and breakfast. You know, there's always the 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 we call them the deer highways that you hunt in the evenings. In the mornings, you hunt bed and breakfast. In the evening, you hunt the highways. Because they're going yeah. to travel the same highways, you know. There's, uh, it's kind of hard to explain. You know, not every day are you going to see that same deer on the same path. If it was that, it, everybody would do it. It would it'd be easy, right? You know. And did, I guess, uh, didn't you say? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say. I guess if I get another thing, I tell listeners if it helps you guys out. I never hunt bucks. Never worry about hunting your bucks. You hunt your does. 
Yeah. When hunting them, I don't mean shoot them. I mean hunt your does, know your does, know what they're doing. Because when rut comes around, them does will draw the bucks in. And the does will not change their pattern because of a buck. The bucks change their pattern because of the does. So you always stay with what's consistent. Hunt the does. Know where the does are doing, where they're eating, where they're feeding, what they're doing. Because then when rut comes around, then bucks are going to follow them. you got a better chance of seeing the buck on their feet during rut, obviously. Everybody knows that. But you got a, a better chance of seeing them within shooting distance and, you know, if you set up on a does. That's, that's one of my big trade secrets. Every time I kill a big buck, it's, I'm hunting the does. Yeah. Makes it, makes it seem, makes it sound a lot more simple. <laughs> that's never simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> did, did you say that you, uh, didn't you, what did you say? You shot him on November the 15th? Yes, sir. Man, it's like this podcast was meant to be. That's the, <laughs> That's my birthday. <laughs> Small world. Okay, what time was you born? <clears throat> uh, I think I was born right before lunchtime. I think it was like at eleven thirty uh, in the morning. So, no, nope. almost. I was a few hours early. Four fifteen yeah. is when the arrow contacted him because when he hit the ground and I looked at my phone to call Chad and tell him he hit, it was uh, four nineteen. I'm sorry, 4.18, so I figured it was three minutes before that about, so about 4.15 when I hit him. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome though, man. I, and, and I think like, I get, I get what you're saying too, like about the, you know, what do you do now after you've shot him? Because it's like I told you, I had hunted that one giant deer and then my neighbor, the guy on the neighboring property shot him, but it was kind of the same, like I was I was almost defeated. Not because I didn't shoot him, but because I knew that I couldn't hunt him anymore. And and ever since then it's it you know, it's like even though I haven't killed one, I didn't kill that deer and he was hundred and eighty inches, I it's like now I now I don't wanna shoot a hundred and thirty or a hundred and forty. I won't I want to hunt 180, <laughs> you know, so it's, it is bittersweet. It is, it is. I mean, there's a, there's a lot that goes into big deer and, and, you know, a lot of things that I found out along the way and, you know, that I've learned along the way. And um, just like you say, the, the 130s, 140s. Now, if you know how old they are, shoot them. Right. You know, if, he, if he's a six-and-a-half-year-old or a five-and-a-half-year-old, shoot him. He's not going to get any bigger. If he's a four-and-a-half-year-old and he's that big, shoot him. He's not going to get much bigger. He might, but do you take a chance of him breeding your does? You know, you, that's what people – I mean, it's easier for me, per se, because, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have my own land to hunt. Um, and, and it's nothing that – like the land, I mean, it honestly does not – belongs to me it's my in-laws land um they're like the fifth generation to live on it so but i'm still fortunate enough to know what goes on back there and and, you know there's certain does that i won't shoot because every year they produce two deer you know they have two fawns so i don't shoot them and then i watch their fawns you know what are those fawns going to become you know there's there's certain traits that come from just like anything. And I told you I'm obsessed with this, so this podcast could go on more than an hour. <laughs> oh man, hey, I'm, I'm obsessed with it too. We, we've had we've had several episodes about a lot of. I've talked a lot about, especially does in particular, and you know about the importance of does and bones that they have and the genetics that they pass down and. Um, and people don't, people don't understand a lot, a lot of people don't that. understand. Yeah. You know, in order to, I don't want to say it right. So you have like Brutus. Okay. Who knows who his dad was? I don't know. But I know who his mom was. 
Right. And she, she's still alive. She's down to producing one doe, but we don't shoot her. You know, I have a doe back there we named Llama. She's got a long neck. She produces two doe a year. She's my early warning is what I call her because I know this sounds really stupid and a lot of people call BS on it, but she'll come into the woods and um, I'll whistle at her or I'll, you know, that little like you do a dog and I'll throw peanuts yeah. out of my tree stand. I've got this on video. People didn't believe me, so I had to videotape it. And I'll throw peanuts down. She'll come running in my stand and eat peanuts and she'll go below me. Now, you let something come into yeah. the woods, she knows it. And that doe will never get shot. You know, she might die old age, but she'll never get shot. You know, she produces good deer. You know, and a lot of the genetics in a buck comes from the mom, which is what people don't understand. Yeah, I mean, it's it's 50-50. Like, the does got just as much say as the buck does. Really, actually, the does got more say. I was going to say, I'd have to say it's more of like a 70-30 on that. I mean, yeah. now if you have Brutus who breeds with his mom, okay, who has good genetics, or his sister who has good genetics, and he has incestual or whatever, but it happens, it's nature. And when it happens, yeah. they're going to have a buck as big as Brutus or bigger. It's just, it's how it is. And... And like I told you, uh, you know, we've got a couple on trail camp back there this year. Um, where we got Brutus at, there's one. Um, we actually, we've got two of them back there. One's Goliath, and he's a, he's a pretty big 10-point. He probably, he's probably 160s right now, and he's two and a half. I think that's what we got him. He's about two and a half, three and a half years old. Um, but we have one we call BB, and BB is baby Brutus. Now, if you notice the pictures on Brutus, on his G2, on his left side, he has a kicker that sticks out about six inches. It goes straight out to the side. Yeah. Baby Brutus's frame looks the exact same. He is an eight-point mainframe, just like Brutus's. That's all that deer is, you know. That's one thing I think makes Brutus different than a lot of deer, too, is he technically he's an eight-point. He's a 200-inch eight-point. Right. He's a He's a mainframe eight. He had split G2s, and he had a kicker. And then he had two little pokers, which made him 13 scoreable, is, is all he was. Um, but this one's a, a, a mainframe mate like him. The only difference is he's got his brow tines are split instead of his G2s. And on his left G2, he has a kicker. He goes straight out just like Brutus did. So I know he's from the same bloodline. Did he come from Brutus? I don't know. He might have come from Brutus's mom. I don't know. But that's right. to me, that's the importance of when you manage, you don't just manage the bucks. You manage the does. You have to watch yeah. them year-round. you, you got to know what their offspring are, how many they're having. If you got one that's not – that's not uh, didn't have any fawns that year, okay? She may be getting too old or she's too young to breed. That's meat in the freezer, the way I look at it. But we know our deer oh, yeah. apart. I mean, deer are like humans. They don't just have to have a rack to know them apart. You can tell them by the way they walk, by their fur, anything, you know? Oh, yeah. And, I mean, they all have their own characteristics, too. You know, sometimes you might have that one certain doe. She just, she always acts real funny. Like, whether it be, she might be spooky or... She, she likes to <laughs> pick her head up and down fifty times and two or three steps. Or it's all funny. Got I got her a, own characteristics. We got a doe back there. I call Spooky just because she acts <laughs> like that. Yeah, I think there's a bunch of does, especially them older ones. Man, I get you get them older ones. The ones that's four and five and six years old. They hard to fool them sometimes yeah and it's like you know um that's why i think hunting public land is is so much harder than hunting private land um just for the fact that like 
we we have a Kubota. You know, it's one of those side by sides that you ride. You know, four seater things, and we use it for work. And we're a working farm. You know, we got a farmer that farms for us, but um, you know, we're always in the back. We're always back in the woods, and the deer get used to that. They know it. I can drive right by deer 10 yards off my path, you know, in the off-season. And if I don't stop that Kubota and I just look over at them, them deer go on about themselves like it's nothing. Right. You know, public land, you take a four-wheeler down a trail on public land, them deer scat. (laughs) They don't know what the crap to think. That's why, you know, that's, that's one of the things I say, like, I don't know, I don't want to say the deer are used to us, but they... They're not as spooky when it comes to that. Now, hunting season, I swear, my deer know when it's hunting season. Them deer back there know. I ain't stupid. Yeah. Because it comes hunting season, you you walk in the woods and pass gas, and they take off running. They don't care. (laughs) They're like, like, he isn't camo. We're running. We're getting out of here. (laughs) Yeah, they know what camo means. Oh, yeah. They, they, They know it. Yeah. Oh, man, I that was an awesome story though, man. I like that. I like that story. Um, I think um, actually, that's one thing I was going to ask you. Know, kind of, um, what are you know what some of the ways that you like hunt? Do you hunt like? Uh, I know you said you try to get in between, you know, bed and breakfast. Um, mm-hmm. but like up there I guess where you hunt I mean I know there's there's some ag and stuff like that and it is Ohio and I've talked to several people from Ohio but um, I guess on your place like what is there more of I guess either mass crop or um, or ag uh, it, all, it all depends depends on the year yeah I mean, like like this year. This is a this is an odd year, because um, there's really no no ag on it, because we had a really wet year in the off season, so the farmer couldn't plant corn. Corn was late. He was going to do beans. Get ready to do beans, and we got an oh my god rainstorm for like three weeks long. He couldn't get in the fields. Yeah. So he had to put a cover crop in. So. <laughs> Unfortunately for him, but fortunate for me, surrounding all of my woods is huge food plots because they're all yeah. clover, beets, and, and alfalfa. I mean, I just it worked for me this year, and um, and again, being fortunate, we're one of the only ones around that he couldn't get into. So everywhere else around us is corn. There's a couple bean fields, but then they'll die off. When they die off, everything's yeah. going to come to sour's meat because clover's green year-round. Um, yeah. But, I mean, we, I don't know, there's probably, a, I don't know, 50 or 60-acre woodlot back there, and then there's a five-acre woodlot off to the side. And believe it or not, that five-acre holds more deer than the, than the big one does. Um, so it all it all depends on the time of year and what's going on. Time of days it depends on where I hunt. You know, um, the wind. I mean, everything plays a, a role. Um, like I'll, I'll study the wind or the the weather for a few days before I decide. Okay, now it's perfect to go into that spot. You know, and because then I can go in undetected and get out undetected. I mean, there's some spots in there that, you know, if I'm hunting in the the woods that you know when I go in in the morning you ain't gonna see me till dark and I don't just do that during rut I do that year round if if that's the spot I get into I'm gonna sit there all day if if everything's right for it you know um and I just you know it's hard to explain because the, the moonlight the day before the moon phase determines on where yeah. I'm gonna hunt. You know, a lot of people don't think about that. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people don't understand what puts a doe into rut. 
because the doe yeah. determines when rut is, when it puts her in the estrus per se, and that makes the, the bucks right. right. So I guess I kind of said it wrong, but, you know, everybody thinks, oh, so the weather's changing. That's going to make the, the does go into rut. No, it's not. It don't matter what the weather is. I mean, biologists have determined that it's the amount of light that's captured by the yeah. doe's eye. Yeah, it's the amount of, yeah, the amount of, the yeah. amount of daylight hours. Not daylight hours. Can't remember. The amount of light. Right, right. So I can't remember even at, the word. Even at night. Even at night. Um, the amount of light. So when you have a full moon in a clear sky, which is usually the harvest moon, that's what will throw them into a heavy rut. That's what will turn their estrogen on. Yeah. So that next morning, you know, always watch for that harvest moon in a clear night during the harvest moon. Next morning, you want to be in the woods because zero will be moving. You know, but there, I mean, there's different setups for different situations. You know, I'm fortunate enough that I met a, uh, as, as we spoke earlier, um, I do um, filming a lot for uh, Twin Factor TV with James and Chad Hampton. And, you know, if I give them guys a plug out, y'all ought to watch that show. It's pretty good. <laughs> but uh, I film for them a lot. And through them, I met a guy named Joey Bruce. Um, Joey Bruce owns Sad Daddy Blinds. Um, I actually ended up getting a blind off of him, um, and that sits back there. And I hunt that a, a lot, depending on the situation. It's windy. If it's crappy out, I'll hunt in that just because it covers the scent up. Because, you know, it it helps with that situation. But then there's other days when it's calm that I'm going to hunt my stands. There's There's days that it's you know, crappy out, and I don't think they're going to come in the fields, but they're going to move, and they're going to go for the acorns in the woods, and I'll hunt in the woods. So every situation dictates, and it's just doing your homework and, and understanding what the deer are doing at that time during that weather, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I get to come down to Georgia here pretty soon. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we do a uh, – we volunteer time down at Fort Benning. I don't know how far that is from you in Columbus. That's oh, okay. where I went to basic ad, but uh like kids that their their family have been uh they've had a service member that's died or passed away, usually it's their father. Um and can't take them hunting or something. We uh we actually mentor them for a week and we um Fort Drum or Fort Drum Fort Benning opens up their hunting areas just to these kids and they close it down to everybody else. So we're able to take the kids hunting and film them and mentor them and spend a week with them so it's pretty special time so we, we always go down there yeah we always go down there uh oddly enough uh it'll be the the beginning of the second week of november this year <laughs> huh. so i give up my my beginning of rut here because it's always second week mm. of november here <laughs> but it's mm. for, it's for yeah. a good cause and it's for the kids and you know to me that's what hunting's about is when you you know, you you get to watch that, that child harvest his first animal or, you know, for that much, my kids. So, I mean, that was a – everybody asked me, you know, 2017, you killed that monster. Will that forever be etched in your mind? Yeah, but the best part of that entire year was when I got to set in a blind at the beginning of the year with my stepdaughter, opening day, 2017, and she killed her first doe. And oh, yeah. I'll be honest with you, that was more emotional and meant more to me than killing that monster did. I mean, everybody say what they want, but it did. I mean, watching the look on her face and, um, you know, her calling her mom and she's bawling, Mom, I just killed a deer. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife's like, are you okay? Uh... I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> But it's all about the kids. That's our future. You know, you, oh, yeah. You know. Yeah, that's all. You ever, you ever see that saying? It's always on Facebook. It says, get your kids into hunting. Because if you do, they can't afford drugs. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hunting is not yeah. a cheap pastime. <laughs> It's definitely not, especially if, especially if you um, 
if you do more than just deer and you decide to hunt turkeys or if you need to decide to also hunt ducks and yeah it it, it can get expensive really really yeah i got it yeah i got into turkey hunting up here but i just kind of quit it just wasn't wasn't fun for me no more i started doing it with archery and just i mean to me it's not deer hunting it's not the same and to me i kind of felt like it Full time away from deer hunting. I know that sounds bad, <laughs> but I love my deer hunting, so it's kind of full time away from it. And you know, when it's hunting season, you know, I, I joke around. My wife's a hunting widow; she never sees me because I'm either in the woods or in bed or working. And so well, I tell you, uh, you know, I think, I I think uh, like because I'm a turkey addict, so. But I will say that the one thing about turkey hunting, when you kill a turkey, it's fun and the feeling, the feeling of that you get right before you're about to shoot that turkey. It's not. I'm not gonna say I, I, it's nothing. Compa- you can't compare it to shooting a. But it's, they're 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 two different realms. Like it's two completely different feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but the. No, I mean both of them are equal in my opinion. That feeling you get, but they're just, they're not the same. But after you shoot a, a big buck, or say you shot the biggest buck of your life, um, it doesn't like it lasts longer. Like that after the feeling you get after you've killed the deer, and like all of that, like it, it lasts longer. And with a turkey, it all happens. It's awesome, and it's great. I wouldn't change it for anything, but within five minutes, you're ready to go shoot another one. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell you that the difference to me, here's the difference to me, is somebody will ask you, you know, mm-hmm. like you go out deer hunting. Do you see anything? No. Oh, man, that stinks. And I always say, well, if it, if it was, if I killed one every time I went out, it would be killing, not hunting. You know, you got to hunt them down. It got to where with turkey, and this honest God's truth, and like I said, I'm not conceited or nothing, but I had a good spot. I could go out there and kill a turkey every time I went. But I knew where the turkey were. I knew what they were doing because I got into it for a bunch of years. But then it got to where it was like, hey, you going to go turkey hunt today? And I'd be like, yeah, I don't feel like cleaning one today. Oh, well, you, you can't be sure you're going to get one. You know, and this – this is the thing that, that, that got me to really quit turkey hunting. I'm not taking anything from turkey hunting. It's a great sport. I used to love doing it. But a buddy of mine was like, you can't kill one every time you go out. And it's like 9 o'clock in the morning, which you don't go to the turkey woods 9 o'clock in the morning. I said, buddy, I'll go out right now and kill one. And he said, I got $100. says, you won't. I said, you better get it ready. I'll be back in an hour. So I, I grabbed my bow even. I was bow hunting. And I walk out. And I knew the field they would be in around that time, and I circled around the top of the field, and I just sat and waited. And I started calling on him. got about 10.30. Got that time to come strutting. He got in 20 yards, and I shot him. Sent him a picture of a dead in the field. Put my tag on him left. I said, there you go, man. I said, I feel like killing one today, but, or cleaning one today. But, and after that, I thought, you know, I can I can do that when I want to. And, and, and like I said, I'm not trying to sound conceited about it. I, mean, it was just, I just had a good spot, and it kind of ruined me in, in it. You know, it's like... It's like if you know you can go to that pond and catch a 12-pound bass every time you go. Oh, yeah. You're to catch a 12-pound bass every time you go, you know. If I could go out back and kill a 200-inch buck every time, I would so lose interest in buck hunting, you know, and hunting in general because it's just not it's not fun. The chase is what's fun to me. The, watching these deer grow is what's fun to me. And then finally being able to harvest it and all that hard work coming down to that one split second of when you release that arrow. That's what it's all about to me. Knowing you outsmarted that deer finally. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I said, come on up. I'll show you. <laughs> Might have to take you up on that. You got an open invite. You got my number. <laughs> um, well, I think, I think we can uh, call that a podcast right there. That, I think we're good on time here. and We can uh, we can start wrapping it up. Um. So you got 
how's your season looking this year? Uh, pretty good so far. Um, I haven't hunted super hard. You know, I don't hunt real hard like other people. I pick my days. Um, and what I mean by super hard is when I when I start hunting super hard, I'm in the woods all day long. Um, I haven't had any all dayers yet. Um, just really still trying to narrow down uh, one buck in particular. I'm I'm going after again. His name's Wide Glide. Um, I bet he's got probably twenty. I'm gonna guess twenty five, twenty six inch inside spread. He's got he's got about he got a couple times it'll go nine inches or better. Um, big twelve point. Um, he's a secret back there. Nobody knows about him. And uh, I've only gotten two daylight pictures of him, so I'm kind of like trying not to pressure it back there right now. So um, we'll see. But the wife's getting mad because there ain't no meat in the freezer. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> She's like, you go back here. You better kill a doe this time. So I'm gonna have to put an arrow in one the next couple of days here. <laughs> I might be in divorce court. <laughs> my wife, yeah, my wife stays on me too. She'll, you know, every every few nights or so, we have to, we always cook something with deer meat, and you know, she'll keep going to the freezer and she'll she'll look in it. She'll be like, um, getting a little bit low here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, she. I mean, at first, uh, you know, when, when uh, me and her first got together, it was it was more of the oh my gosh, you deer hunt really? Oh gosh, I don't have to eat that stuff. And now it's like, go get me a deer. I'm ready. I need some deer meat. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she, yeah, because we. I mean, yeah, we. I mean, I use ground. I use ground meat. Ground meat from deer for everything and. Anytime we cook anything that basically calls for hamburger meat, you know, we use deer meat. And I get ground a lot. And um, every meal we cook, that's, I mean, we use deer meat. So You you, you grind it yourself? She, she stays on me. No, I mean, I, I'm going to this year, actually, yeah. I'm, I'm going to start. I got me a, a meat grinder. And, um, I think I'll I give you the... I'm, I got to get a cuber. So I'll give you the secret recipe. All right, what's that? Okay, so first you grind your meat. You grind it exactly five pounds of deer meat, okay? And go to the store and get hickory smoked bacon. Mm. Grind it right on top of it. Mix it together with your hands, and then you put it back through the grinder. Then you mix it again, put it through the grinder. You tip, triple grind it. And I'm gonna tell you what, you'll mm. never eat deer meat the same. Mm. I always put it's five to one, five pounds to one pound. Makes a six pound mm. package. Five pounds to one pound. <laughs> mm. You might want to write that down. <laughs> oh, I'll be able to. What did you say? Hick, you said hickory, hickory smoked bacon. Yeah, hickory smoked bacon. Every time we cut it on sale, we we get it and freeze it. Just because that's what I use it for. I bet I can walk in my refrigerator right now, and I bet there's at least probably 10 pounds of it in there because she catches it on sale, and that's her hint. <laughs> she does that for a hint to me, like, she, you know, yeah. to put it up in, yeah. a, in a crisper. So when I open it up, all I see is bacon. I'm like, honey, you going to cook breakfast? She's like, no, do you got any deer meat to go with that? I'm like, oh, man. Okay. So that's my you hint. I got to go. <laughs> I gotta go kill a deer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, tomorrow it's, it's been raining here all day, so tomorrow morning might be her day. I'm gonna have to go kill her one all morning. <laughs> awesome. Well, hopefully you will. Um, but man, Dustin, I'm glad. I'm glad you come on here, man. I really enjoyed it, and uh, I think the listeners are they're gonna get a lot out of it. I hope, man. I just want to, I want everybody to kill deer like him, you know. I, I'd love to see a hundred pictures of him, you know. Like I said, he's for for an eight point, he's a freak. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, the, the, the 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 official official score was uh, one ninety eight and three eighths after dry time. Before the dry time, he was like one oh six and two eighths, I think, or two oh six. I'm sorry, he's two oh six and and uh, two eights, and that's, you know, he, it's hard to believe how much they shrink. <laughs> nah, man, like, this is the official one. Like, 
I'm I'm humbled about it. To me, he's still 200 class years. I mean. Oh yeah. You know, everybody's like, oh, you almost hit that 200 mark. <laughs> the, the way I look at it is, inches are inches, and nets are proficient, and even the dry time, like. When that deer was walking around through the woods with that rack on his head, it was 200 inches. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of the way I look at it. But, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, man, we'll have to do it again. Yeah, definitely, man.